Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to Community Living Radio. So, but today we have a really cool guest with us. Um, her name is Teresa Rodden, and she is the author of the book Holy Sober and the lead uh, coach at Pink Cloud Coaching. Um, um, what makes Teresa so special is this. Uh, Teresa... Um, she her co- her uh, sobriety coaching system is not the same as a twelve step program and is something completely different. That because um, our theory was that the, that one size doesn't fit all for sobriety. So she came up with an, a a new system of her own that has helped um, thousands of people. Should we say, Teresa? We could say that. (laughs) (laughs) Good morning. (laughs) Good morning. Good morning. So I hope the introduction was at least fairly accurate. You know, I'm one of those um, guests that it's kind of hard to to kind of describe because it's something that's never been. Right. Right. So it's it's really what what I've done is I've identified not only another way of um, going after life sober, but uh, but really identifying a whole population that really just doesn't fit in traditional uh, recovery or tradi- or following the traditional program of of getting sober. Yeah. Um, before we get into your story of how you actually came up with this, one yeah. of the things that um, that I know that um, sobriety doesn't necessarily always involve substances. It also inv- involves um, repetitive actions. Uh, gambling, um, sexual addictions, things like that. So, so it, it, addiction isn't a one size fits all. So, how could recovery be a one size fits all? <laughs> Absolutely, and that's my story of holy sober. Is that it, you can't just address the alcohol. Right. You can't just address the 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 weed or the the shopping or the TV watching. You have to address what's what's driving you to do make those choices. Right. And that's what so sobriety is really living very mindful and aware and making conscious choices of how you want your life to be. And that, that sounds like the definition of being clear-headed. <laughs> that is clear-mindedness. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, so um, do you have? Do you personally have a story of it of addiction? Well, I do. I was actually born into a family that that misused alcohol, and one of my challenges over the last decade has really been trying to identify a new vocabulary to to do my work because everybody wants to use addiction and recovery and alcoholism and that's really the only language I knew mm-hmm. until I started saying hey this just doesn't fit for me um, but my mother misused alcohol my grandmother misused alcohol both of my grandmothers misused alcohol in fact Grandma Fern um, killed herself drinking and driving, you know, racing between bars, trying to get, trying to win that free drink, and she knocked the church clear off its foundation. So, wow. Yeah. So, alcohol has played a major role in our family. But what I have found is each woman, aside from Grandma Fern, each woman grew tired of living that life, and they all stopped drinking at some point, and they stopped without any intervention or any program they just decided to stop well okay that makes perfect sense sense to me because you can't i don't care what the program is if you don't make up your mind that you want 
change, there isn't going to be any change, right? Right, right. Absolutely. And so I found myself looking for help to take charge of my relationship with alcohol several years before I actually had to get sober in order to save my life. Mm -hmm. So I think if I had an opportunity to explore my relationship with alcohol before coming to that dreadful end, mm -hmm. I think I could have had a complete different turnout. But there was there's nothing else offered at that time. Okay, you said dreadful end. With this oh, it was a dry, oh my goodness! <laughs> I ended up being—I didn't know who I was. I didn't—I didn't, I didn't right. even recognize the person that I was looking at in the mirror. I ended up in a relationship with what who I call Prince Harming in my book, Holy Sober. He was incredibly abusive, physically, mentally, verbally. He um, opened up accounts in my name without my authorization. I had to file bankruptcy three ways when he opted out of our lives, and. Um, you know, half a million dollars in debt. Before I met him, I had only had $2,000 in debt. So I think without numbing myself and distracting myself with alcohol, ignoring all these red mm -hmm. flags, I think I would not have found myself in that position. But instead, I decided to ignore the truth and numb it out and dumb it down with alcohol instead. Right. Okay, that that that, that makes sense that... that you had so you had to find the find the change and find your own path to that change is that right well actually i went the traditional way at first because i was desperate i just needed something mm -hmm. i needed something different i found myself in an emergency room having um an anxiety attack basically and the doctor said explained to me how anxiety and alcohol works how alcohol actually mm -hmm. um fuels anxiety issues and when I left that emergency room, I had made a decision that I'm going to quit drinking. Well, all the way home, I got a mindful of, well, that means you're an alcoholic because you can't control your drinking. And so I started getting this download of information of who I was and what this is going to look like and that I'm going to detox and, the, you know, the laundry list of detoxing right. and you're going to be jonesing for alcohol and, you, you, you know, you're going to have to get to meetings. And so I went to outpatient for the first couple of months and... Um, ironically, the first day, the very first AA meeting I went to that evening, I had a few beers. <laughs> it's ironic, but it happened. And so I found myself, oh, I am this desperate person who cannot control her drinking. And this animal, you know, this beast is inside me getting stronger. There's nothing I can do. So I better get myself to an AA meeting. And there I, I just dove 100% in. I did probably, I did well over 100 meetings in 90 days. They recommend that you do 90 and 90. Um, I opened meetings. I greeted at doors. I made coffee. I treasured. For the first six months of my sobriety while in AA, I was in 100% until I realized if I have to keep going to a meeting and tell myself that I have this, that I have this incurable disease and that there's something inside me that's growing stronger even when I'm abstaining and waiting to take me down, I'm just going to get drunk. I, I can't. I can't fight this for the rest of my life like this. I can't fight with that identity for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. So I opted out. Um, ironically, that was at the time that I was going through all the bankruptcies and I had no money to support my kids and I was a single mom and I had no home. My home was being repossessed um, or foreclosed. My cars yeah. were repossessed. Um, but I was happy and I was so full of joy. It's like, man, I get to live the rest of my life sober. This is so exciting. And they told me I was on a pink cloud and um, that I was going to come crashing down and, my, and I was going to end up getting drunk or probably killing myself. And so I decided to hop on my pink cloud, as I say it. And I rode out of the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous over 14 years ago. And I've been happily on my pink cloud ever since. <laughs> So what does life on the pink cloud look like? Well, that looks like going after life, man. Just just what is it that I want? Who is it that I want to be? And no holds barred, let's make this happen. If the dream is put on my heart, I go after it, whether mm -hmm. it makes sense or not sometimes. But if it brings me joy, why wouldn't I? Right. Um, so that's, you know, the pink cloud is really about keeping your focus on what you want. Not focusing on I can't drink or I shouldn't drink or I can't be around people who drink or I can't go to a place where there's alcohol being served. I can't, I can't, I can't. The pink cloud is really about I can and I am. Right. I'm going after it. 
you, you you're sounding you're sounding like some other uh, NLP coaches I know. <laughs> <laughs> some other what? In NLP uh, neuro linguistic programming. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're I've been focused on what, I've what you want. Before, <laughs> you focus on your focus is on what you want, not what you don't want. Because if you focus on what you don't want, you get more of what you don't want to begin with. Because that's what your focus is. Well, yeah. There's two ways. There's <laughs> what, you, what you resist persists, and mm-hmm. where your energy go, where your focus goes, energy flows. So right. it's really that mindset, and and that's really what I help women change. Um, when they're working with me is that we've got to quit thinking about alcohol as an enemy. We got to quit thinking of it as bad as though it's, it's, it's what's evil in your life. And instead focus on what it is that you want to do and, and all the amazing things about you and how you want to move forward. Right. So you, you, you changed, changed things around and you started focusing on, on what you don't want. Now, I can see, see your office around you a little bit there. <laughs> and uh, folks, I'm going to tell you that did she, did, is, is this your home office? This is my home office. Okay. It looks like you have a beautiful home. I do is, have a it, beautiful it, home. It isn't I the do. home of, 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 of a desperate person who's no. like, oh, my God, I'm afraid I'm going to drink again. Um, no, it's no, and, and and as a matter of fact, even if I were to be put in a a one room apartment, I would find joy in it. I would find something amazing about that. That I have the freedom of not having a, a mortgage to pay like this, <laughs> right? So yeah. there's always amazing. There's always good to find in every situation. It's again where your focus goes, energy flows. The more you focus on how great life is that I get to breathe in and out on my own, that I can see through my eyes, that I can hug with my arms, that I can walk on my own two legs. I mean, when we focus on those things, even in our most desperate situations, there's always hope, always hope. Right. So what what did it take to you? Okay. What did it take for you to to, to find this um, this amount of hope? Um, I think what it took, that's a really good question, Michael. I don't think I've ever been asked that. What did it take? It took it took hope. And what I mean by hope is having other possibilities to explore. That there's always something else, right? That uh-huh. there's not ever, it's never the end. Right. Never the end. It's always something else to explore. Always. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter what scenario. So yeah. I think what it took was this, that I realized that even if I get a wall, you know, my homes, I, I'm homeless. I'm poor, I'm broke, I'm, you know, but I have my health and I have hope. I have other possibilities to explore. This isn't the end. Right. Yeah, that's it. I, I like how you you turned hope into an acronym. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> it was really and good. it works with everything. It's yeah, amazing. yeah. Yeah, uh, you'll have to put that in a, in a message to me so I can remember that for uh, absolutely. I'd for, love to for our entire media system because I think I think that that could be a, a large part of of what we do here. Um, yeah. Wow, um, because hope is everything, isn't it? Well, if we don't have any other uh, alternatives, right? If we're hopeless then we have no alternatives. There's nothing else. It's the end. Right. That's it. We've hit a wall. And it's just not the truth. Ever. Yeah. Well, Ever. The story continues. Yeah. Uh, I guess the universe, with it, with its infinity, provides us with infinite possibilities. So infinite possibilities. Yes. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and y- your infinite possibilities has led to a book and to a uh, phenomenal coaching system. Yes. And, and it's really what I love about the coaching system that I've, I've developed is that it's not something that holds you on the hook forever and ever and ever. You need me. It's like, no, I'm going to give you the tools in just 28 days so you can take everything that you learn and you can move forward and you can apply it to everything in your life. Mm-hmm. Right. And you can take charge. And that's really what it's about. It's you are no longer helpless. You are not hopeless. You're not powerless, as as tradition would like to tell you that you are when you're facing addiction. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you need additional support, but sometimes all it is is just really becoming aware and mindful of how you're making choices that are contributing to your need to misuse. 
right. alcohol or anything else. Yeah. So, so the 28 day sober or the 28 day resolve is basically my flagship. My mom. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, my flagship program. And it's just 28 days. Yeah. And through that, we start from the outside in. And we work from your relationship with alcohol to your um, relational environment. So that's everything mm-hmm. that, that affects you on the outside. Then it comes to the woman within. And then we set a plan from all that information that we've gained. Right. So it's very methodical and it's very... Um, it's deep, but again, it, it really depends on the woman who's willing to do the work. Right. Yeah. Um, it, ironically enough, um, where this particular radio station sits um, in uh, in the downtown east side of Vancouver is a large homeless population full of of people that um, some of them have addictions, some of them. Um, are misusing because you're trying to find a a way around another illness, mm-hmm. something like that. And one of the really big things that they, they were, because you're in you're in uh, in Oregon, is it? I am in Oregon. Yeah, yes. in Oregon. Okay, yeah. See, sometimes my mind works. Is <laughs> <laughs> that lovely when that happens? Yeah, I love that. But um, I don't know if you guys have had the fentanyl problem. We have this huge, massive fentanyl problem here. I, I would, um, because my my specific focus is around alcohol and around women, mm-hmm. and around um, I don't I don't have a huge grasp on addiction as a whole. Yeah. Well, so, they, um, but I do know that I know opiates and fentanyl probably falls into that category, yes. mm-hmm. and that that it, it's out of control, and it's out of control for many reasons, but mostly I think because that's our doctors, people who we trust, and I'm not. I'm not a, I'm not attacking the doctors, no, no, but that's no. the entry point and that people are going in there and they're saying, you know, I'm in pain physically. And then when they give them this pill and they're like, hey, this kind of helps that emotional and mental pain, too. So I think that's it's what, just, that was getting at. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So is it, is our society really pushing us towards that with with these like, oh, wow, there's a super drug now. It numbs everything. It, it's, hey, I don't have to feel bad anymore. I don't have to feel bad about what's been done to me. I don't have to feel bad about what I've done. Now I can just numb through life. But that's not living at all. That's just a walking corpse. Right. Okay. That's exactly what it, I didn't even finish asking the question. Wow, that's amazing. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm but that was that was part of the, that was that was really part of the part of the question. Do you think our society is really just trying to numb out and not yeah, and not live? So. Absolutely, and I and I don't I don't know that our traditional um, paths of helping people with with this problem, and I hate using the word problem, but with this choice that. Um, I don't know that how much it's helping because we're encouraging that they're powerless. We're encouraging that you can't help yourself. Mm-hmm. And um, so how, how, wherever you are on the spectrum. So, I mean, that's one thing that I've identified is that we have this huge spectrum, this continuum of, of use, but everybody, anybody who has any kind of challenge with drugs or alcohol, they're all pushed to the right end of the spectrum, to the mm-hmm addiction you know you need help you're helpless you're powerless you can't help yourself get yourself to a meeting and this is your identity for the rest of your life and everything that goes with that right right? instead of having these other 
opportunities to gain awareness and to really explore what is the pain that I'm really trying to numb. And I think that there's a, there's a huge opportunity to really what I call intercept rather than intervent, but intercept um, this behavior or these choices before you get to that end of the spectrum, before you get to the powerless end of the spectrum. Right. Keep keep the keep keep the the person always empowered before they they start to feel powerless. Right. Yeah. Right. That you do have a choice that you can you can choose differently. Yeah. That may, that makes a lot more sense than um cuz um I as a teenager this is my fr- my first real contact with uh with drug addiction. I worked in a detox unit and yeah. this the 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 men in that unit were they they're like oh well I just hope I just die just take one more drink and just die and they felt so hopeless and and everything and helpless um, and the process that they were going through just wasn't seeming to help them and it, it, no it just confirms and right. validates that message you are helpless you are hopeless there's something inside of you that you can't control. There's right. something inside of you that's getting stronger no matter what you do. Yeah. No matter what you do, that disease is getting bigger and stronger. They 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 likened it to a tiger inside of me when I was mm-hmm. in AA that there's this tiger inside of me and it's it's getting bigger and it's doing push-ups and it's getting stronger and it's going to tell you that you don't need a meeting and and you're going to drink and it's going to overtake you and it's like, "Oh my gosh, give me a drink." <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. With that being said, I'm going to go to, go go to a quick uh quick break here. Sure. And <laughs> when we come back, let's talk more about what your process looks like. Okay? Okay. All right. All right. And we're back. You're listening to Community Living Radio, and, and we're speaking with Teresa Rodden, um, the lead coach of uh, Pink Cloud Coaching and author of Holy Sober. And welcome back. Thank so, you. I, okay, so I'm going to fill everybody in a little joke because I have to get this off my chest. So I'm reading the the back of your wall, and I see Kesara and some other stuff that's that you have your art and everything that you have hanging behind you and by the way it's you, I, I love the room i love the space it's pretty cool from what i can see right <laughs> <laughs> and i, I like get ready it. to tell you, i I'm get ready to tell you that hey i love the space right and it's like and i remember it's like oh she can hear me talk to you but because we're using zoom you can't hear you can't talk back to me because i have i have the uh the 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 um the the mini jack turned off for the computer, so it's like, okay. oh yeah, <laughs> she can't she can't talk back to me. It's like, and you're trying to talk to me. It's like, oh yeah, that doesn't work. So, um, with the, getting that out of the way, um, so what does your system actually look like for people? So my system, I kind of touched on it a little bit um, mm-hmm. before, and that's where we start from the outside and, and really identify how are you misusing alcohol? What is your relationship with alcohol? What are your thoughts before you're drinking? What are your thoughts after you drink? Um, right. what, are you, what are you trying to accomplish with this? And there, there's probably, I don't know, 50 questions that, that my clients go through, and then we meet together after they've been mindful and went through the, question, the assessment is what I call it. And then we come together and then we discuss what came up for them through that process. And sometimes we'll go through the questions and sometimes it just brought up something that's really important that they'd like to discuss and further explore. Right. It's really about trying to move out of what we've already are biased thinking, what we've already programmed ourselves to think and trying to get to that back space, that subconscious information that that's not always readily available to us. Okay. So, yeah. um, you, you, you really do. It's sounding, it's sounding a lot of how the mindset works with the 95% of your, of your subconscious versus the 5% of your conscious thing and how one drives the other and you can reprogram yourself. You absolutely can. Yeah. And that's actually, there's a, a neuroscientist called, his name is Mark Lewis and he wrote a book called the biology of desire. And he goes through and really 
I don't know. He goes through and he identifies actually the habit, the habit that's created in addiction. And, in, and when you can recognize it and understand it as a habit, then you know that you can actually change that. And it doesn't mean that it has to be that way forever. And it is a mm -hmm. program. So, so when you look at something and you, you, you kind of understand that your reasoning is taken out of habits, right? Because right. You, we just take that whole part of our brain, our cognitive thinking out of it. And instead, we're just relying on memory, which hits the dopamine button, the dopamine, dopamine pump. And then that triggers back to the memory and then it hits back to the dopamine. And then we're happy and we start And what I call is romanticizing the thought. We romanticize the thought of using. And that's what I help women identify. When do you start romanticizing, you know, getting sexy with that thought of I want to drink? Because it typically happens hours, maybe even days before you actually choose to drink. Yeah. So you're romanticizing that thought. You're like, oh, when I go to Susie's, we usually have a glass of wine. Oh, it was so nice when we sat out on her deck and had that glass of wine. And we start creating that dopamine pump and that memory cycle what I call the drunk cycle also is that, and then we have to find a way to intercept that, that loop, that, that feedback loop mm -hmm. and say, okay, I'm recognizing that I'm starting to romanticize this thought. I have to have something to, to, to backfill it. I have to have a new thought, a new idea. Like I am going after my continued education. I am, you know, getting my children back. I am, getting that new job, I'm going for that promotion. Something else has to be readily and on standby to, to intercept that thought. Does that make right. sense? That was yeah, really that, quick. That does kind of make sense um, because if you intercept the thought, you can intercept the behavior. That's right. Yeah, that yeah, makes sense. But you have to be very intentional and mindful about it. You can't just expect all of a sudden I finished this program with you, Teresa, or any program, and I'm just all of a sudden going to stop thinking about it. It's like, no, you, you have to practice thinking differently. Right. It takes practice. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, I see that as, uh, as some, as some, some of the, the, I don't want to say problem. That's the wrong word, but it's the right. one that I have for right now that, that we, we we expect oh I read the book now now the now I have the quick fix in place now I, I it doesn't have to be that all the other problems are going to go away and everything's going to I have this it's not that you can't have the miracle life you still haven't recognized how to you still haven't learned how to recognize the miracle is going to happen is what. It, it, it is. It's not instantaneous. You have to keep working. It's not it. instantaneous. And then my pink cloud tip is, and tip is also an acronym, is it's going to take time, it's going to take intention, and it's going to take practice. Time, intention, and practice. Right. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. It's something that you have to be mindful and on purpose about. Mm -hmm. Yes. It, it, that's the point, is, is, is the purpose on purpose. <laughs> on purpose. Yeah. Yep. So, I, I, I guess mo most people figure that oh well, on purpose means that um, that it's just going to happen because I I I read something and not because they put any work into it. On purpose well, means you have to put the work I, into I, it. I do want to say this, and I always say this is that I don't take that off the table because it absolutely could happen. You could read something and that could inspire you enough to make the choices moving forward to have a different life. That's what happened in that emergency room with Dr. Warren in 2002, 2003, was mm -hmm. he had a conversation with me and I made a decision that day that I was going to stop drinking. Now, I did end up having a couple more beers later on down the road, like in March, March 2003, March 2nd, 2003, because I consider my sobriety date March 3rd. So I did go out and have a few drinks, but in, in hindsight, you know, does that really take away my sobriety date? Because I stayed sober after that. That was kind of like, well, let's check this out. I'm supposed to relapse. It's part of my recovery, right? Hmm. Yes. That's like, what they you, say. You, you, uh, wait a second. You're a human being, right? I am. Do, don't, we, <laughs> don't, we, don't we all trip? <laughs> but, but it wasn't something, it wasn't that, it wasn't that I drank and then I was overcome by that monster and couldn't help myself anymore. So I don't, you know, there's a lot of co contradictions. There's a lot of things that we start believing because we start downloading these messages 
now, I mean, it's common. You hear it even on TV all the time. If you go searching, do I have a problem with alcohol on your internet? All of a sudden in your feed, you're going to start seeing, take this test, take this test, take this test. And I'll guarantee you, most people who take that test are going to fail. Right. They're going to need treatment. Give me your insurance information. Well, it's kind of designed because, uh, because, um, the advertising and everything around is designed to sell a product, right? Right. AA is a product. It re- well, AA <laughs> is the basis for 95% of the treatment centers. <laughs> so, it's, 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 the, it's the program. Yeah, yeah. It's, so. Yeah, maybe I said, said it a little bit, but it, you know. Right, yeah. but I get, I get what you're saying. But the, the thing is, is that we start... With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Downloading this information that we are indeed, we have this problem. We can't help ourselves. We are powerless. Right. And, it, and it's coming in all corners. So, so I guess that's part of the reason why you wrote the book is because you wanted people to see that they, that they, have, that they have their own power. They absolutely do have their own power. And that's why I wrote the book, Holy Sober, was to show not, I didn't tell a whole lot of stories about my behavior while I was drunk, but I talked about my stories of how I was fueling that drunk cycle of making one poor choice, creating more pain, needing to drink, creating, uh, making another poor choice, having more pain and needing more drink. So it started, and it, and it shows through my history of mm-hmm. the choices that I made that, that really supported my need to misuse alcohol. Right. So instead of showing that, you know, I was born an alcoholic, I wasn't born an alcoholic. I was born absolutely normal, just like anybody else. But I watched how alcohol was abused in my home, and I learned at a very young age, at my first hangover at five years old, that alcohol was the go-to. Alcohol was the go-to for entertainment. Alcohol was the go-to when you're having a bad day. Alcohol is what you go to when you have a good day. That's what I learned. That's how I was primed to misuse alcohol. So how does your system change that around for you? Because it recognizes that you don't have to default. Mm. You are now conscious. You're making conscious choices. And there's actually a paper that I shared probably in the first or the second session. It's about conscious choices for change. And it, and it, and it references a study that was done over in London that about um, how if you just make one small choice every day, you, you make a choice to do something that's completely different out of your normal programming. So say you normally get up and you read the sports section. Instead, you get up and you read the community section instead. And you're making that conscious choice to do something different that's outside of your comfort zone, outside of your normal programming how it leads to you making conscious choices throughout the day. And what they had found, ironically, is that most of the participants had lost like 11 pounds in the first testing, and they weren't even trying to lose weight. But because they were starting to become conscious of the choices that they're making, stopping and pausing and being mindful of their choice instead of just going through their normal default programming. Well, the butterfly effect of mindfulness programming you know? yeah okay yeah <laughs> yeah it's, it, it, the flap of a butterfly can can change the wind direction that's right to, yeah yeah <laughs> it actually so, applies it's weather but it's like but but yeah that but that makes sense though 
Yeah, before I'd ever read the study, you know, I'd stopped smoking back in 1997, 1998. And what I did every morning, instead of sitting at my coffee or sitting at my table and having cigarette and coffee, I instead would get up, grab my coffee and head out for a walk. So I would make that mindful choice of, of changing. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's how I help women, the women that I work with is where can we make these mindful choices? Where can you start being mindful instead of going through your default of getting up, doing the exact same thing, which is going to put you in that same rut thinking of, and then I drink, right? Right. I do this, this, and this, and then I drink. And that feels comfortable. That's like putting on my warm slippers, right? And so we have to be mindful. We have to start at something small at the beginning of the day and start creating that change and being conscious and aware of the choices we're making throughout the day instead of just that thought about drinking or not drinking. Because if that was your only two choices, of course, you're going to go with drinking. That's the only thing you think about, right? If I'm not... If I, if I, today, if I say I'm not going to drink anymore, all I'm going to think about is I can't drink. Right. So what if we start thinking about, um, what am I going to do different tomorrow morning? I'm going to go for a walk instead of sitting and watching the news. Okay. That starts creating change that starts creating. Okay. So I did this differently. What else can I do differently? That's again makes it makes a lot of sense it's like the little changes lead to the big changes they do yeah and that's also been said by several other very inspirational people i'm sure i've heard it from (laughs) (laughs) i am not reinventing the wheel i'm just applying it to a different a different sector of people that's all yeah and and that's what i did when i when i got sober and i realized that i was doing sobriety a lot different than what i was told and i was watching people getting drunk that were in the rooms with me i'm like going why is it so different for me and so instead of i couldn't go to what's already been written about recovery and alcoholism and addiction because that's what everybody says and it doesn't apply to me it doesn't fit so i had to find somewhere else to start doing my studies so i started studying about habits and behavior and positive thinking and consciousness. And, and then that's how I brought my material together so I can help people in a different sector. That's all. Right. Right. Hmm. So just, I want people to identify and try to identify so that, so that when we get to, to the next segment, where, where we get into giving, delivering your contact information, I want people to start identifying now. Okay. So, so what do some of your clients look like? Just Most of my clients are, first of all, they don't identify as an alcoholic, and they, but they do recognize that they're misusing alcohol. They, don't, they may not even use that word misusing but they've done some research on their own and it just doesn't fit. Mm-hmm. So a lot of my clients are, um, well, they range from globetrotting executives to um, motivational speakers, to personal trainers, mm-hmm. to housewives who are incredibly bright and have masters and PhDs, but now they're at home and they're like, I don't know why I'm drinking. I'm just bored to death. It's like, okay. Ooh, you said something <laughs> well, there really we good go. there. <laughs> Let's start working on a way that you can, you know, incorporate some of you back into your life. Right. Um, so it really, you know, it's really women typically who are ready to make change in their life. Mm-hmm. So I find that anywhere from around 38 years old on up. I've had a, an onslaught of women who are over the 65 um, year age. All of a sudden, that's that's opened up for me and I, I I somebody asked me why do you think that is and I said I'm not really sure because it's kind of new but um pretty much women is from they're they're all very very bright and they're all wanting to do the work to make the change right right they're they're not willing to accept an identity of helplessness and hopelessness mm-hmm does that answer your question, Michael? Yeah, that does actually okay. answer the question. It's like because we want people to, to because I honestly believe that you that you can help a million people in the in this world. And thank you. If I can help you help some people self-identify so they contact you later on, um, even if it's like they they hear a repeat of this show later on and they're like, right. 
Oh yeah, that does kind of sink in now, and they contact you. I I, I just want that to happen because um, I do have have stories of addiction from my own family. Mm-hmm. Um, I lost my father to um, to to heroin mm-hmm. um, at the age of eighteen, and that's hard. Yeah, it it was like, and the thing of it was is I. We were both working in the same detox unit. He got me the job there as a oh, teenager wow. to help me pay for my schooling. Mm. Right? Because I was the kid who decided, I don't want to go to public school. Well, there's a private school, but I got to pay for it myself. Fine. I will pay for it myself. And I did. Oh, and, warrior. Go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and so, he, so he got me the job in the place to, to help pay my to pay my tuition and I asked them I said you do know that he uses and they turned it around on me that I was trying to be the rebellious kid and I I tried to help them but there was I guess I was kind of powerless myself at the time and well and um you know we we can't control them right? right we can't we can only we can only surround them in love and and Provide them the tools. Be available when they when they're ready for help. Mm-hmm. But um, my heart goes out to you because I I, I know my, my son's father is an addict, and my oldest son's father, and we were teenage sweethearts. Actually, he was my very first love in kindergarten. Wow. And we ended up you know reconnecting as teenagers, and we had a baby. And while I was pregnant, he started doing crack, crack cocaine. And I started after I had the baby and found that I really, really liked it. And that wasn't going to happen. Right. <laughs> I, I, I did not like that. And I had this baby. And so I left. Yeah. But he is still struggling with that demon today. And it breaks yeah. my heart because I remember the boy he used to be. Right. But there's just pain inside of him that he's not willing to deal with. There's pain right. inside of him that he just can't, he can't even identify because he's dealing with this front programming, you know, yeah. of how to survive. Yeah. Okay, so we'll get we'll get back to that in a, in okay. a second. <laughs> I got to get back to the, the little uh, li- little communication business here. Hold on a second. Okay. And we're back um, at Community Living Radio, and we're here with Teresa Rodden, um, the lead coach of Pink cloud coaching and welcome back and so we i i guess i i sh- shared a little bit about my family in, in addiction um and thank you thank you for your understanding with that that's was, that was mm-hmm. pretty pretty awesome um so um it, yeah well i guess on on that end um you were saying about the pain. I'm, I'm, I am grateful that my father is no longer in pain. Right. So I'm grateful for that. Um, she, it was just she wished she could have gone a different way for him right. to find the answer to that pain. So anyway, um, so okay, having children who have seen that that. That level of addiction, uh, that's new territory for me because I have kids, but never seen that. <laughs> I kind of, kind of did, did, did whatever I could to, to, to protect them from that. So, what, mm-hmm. what is that like to for, uh, for you to be the mother of a child whose father um, went this way? You know, the first few years of Cody's life, I protected him by. Um, his father couldn't see him and his father never pushed back on that because he respected my decision mm-hmm. and then it got to where he was able to see Cody again but he had you know there was limitations um, I never told Cody I never told Cody how he was going to have a relationship with his father that would be something he would have to choose to do on his own I just created safeguards to keep him protected as a mother mm-hmm. Um but Cody, you know, I don't think hiding it from him or, or covering it up or making it pretty would have been helpful for Cody. So we've always dealt with the truth and we've dealt with it's, it's not an evil thing. It's not your dad's not bad. Your dad's just, you know, he's he's sick. 
He's got something, right. he's got pain inside of him and, he, and he's not willing to face it. Again, his father, you know, was primed to, to misuse drugs because it was something that ran rapid in his family. Mm-hmm. So his brothers before him did this. And so he watched this and it primed his behavior and his thought and his mindset around what drugs are. Um, unfortunately, they all kind of went down together and, oh. and it didn't turn out very pretty. But just being really candid with my son and being honest and never vilifying his father. I've never vilified his father. Right. And, and his father and I still are in communications. He texts me and we have conversations every now and again just so he can tell me that he loves his son. Because his son's in the Navy and his son's got to protect his career. So he's got to, you know, he had to make a decision to not be in contact with his father while he is serving our country because it could jeopardize his his um, career. Yeah, um, I, get, I get that one too. So, yeah. Um, the, the 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 governments get a little get a little sticky about those sort of things. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, if that's what runs in the family and the belief about it, then you know who's to say, right? What right. could happen? And so we, you know, but his father's very understanding about it, and we've always I've always communicated with him in love, in that you know this is not a bad thing about you. We don't think awful things about you. This is just to protect Cody, and he understands it. And we've right. had an incredible. I think we've made the best of a, of a bad situation. Mm. Bad or different? Bad in the way that I grew up knowing this little boy with these big brown puppy dog eyes. And I loved and adored him for so many years and that it had to, the story didn't turn out the way it could have. Bad. Okay. <laughs> and that's just my own personal story, but you're right. It is just different, but it's, he didn't see his potential. He didn't see in him what I always saw in him to make that, to, to go after life instead of um, allowing his tradition of his family, that priming factor, take mm. him down. Hmm. Wow. You, you, you have a very big heart. <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> it's love, man. Love is what makes this world go round. Right. It, it it is it is it really is it, it um i've i've heard i've heard people say that it, oh it's other things but it really is love um love is the beginning and the end it's and if we do if we all acted in love and really held people in love uh there wouldn't be near the hate the crime the the devastation that this world sees right now i agree with you 100% on that um and it sounds it sounds to me that that uh, pink cloud coaching is is built one brick at a time of love. It is, it is. It's pure love, and it's it, that's you know that's something I get to do, and my I get to choose because I created pink cloud. Is that every single person I come in contact with, I get to introduce love into their life, and I get it's my love. Not saying that they don't have love, but I get to introduce my love to them, and. I'll take your hand 100%. I don't care where you're going. Let's just do this together. Right. And let's see where we end up. Yeah. And Uh, sometimes people don't understand that kind of unconditional kind of welcoming. You're really going to put your heart out there. And it's like, yeah, 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 let's do this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I totally, totally understand why you, it's, to, for for us to find, um, we're ta- this is what we're taught about love. It, it's, it, it's either got to be romantic with some kind of sexual attachment to it, or it's parental love, mm. like family kind of love, and it, it, with another set of conditions to it, right? Mm-hmm. And to have somebody just that you found. Um, who honestly, you could probably just rake them over the coals, take a whole bunch of money from them, and then you offer them love instead of just um, some kind of power thing where you could take all their money. Right. Yeah, that's, that's going to be you know, like... <laughs> my whole intention is to... I'll tell you what, Michael, my mom, my mom suffered misusing alcohol most of her life. That was her life pass. Mm-hmm. Alcohol, alcohol was the only opportunity she ever felt empowered to speak her mind 
and to kind of go after life and to you know go out dancing or to go out and talk to people she normally wouldn't because she was scared to death fear was another member of our family that just hovered over her mm-hmm. and it breaks my heart because this woman was fearless in other ways when it came to her children, you would see a beast inside of her to protect her children. She, she taught me how to love. Um, but she didn't know how to apply that to her own life, to, to be her mm-hmm. own her own advocate. And, and it breaks my heart because had somebody just sat her down and said, Judy, what do you want? You know, what pain are you trying to escape from? How can I help you to to really stand in your power and to really, you know, decide what it is you want and who you want to be. If I really believe she could have been a completely different woman. And when I see every woman I speak to, I see potential. I see what pain is keeping you prisoner and let's set you free so you can fly. Right. So I'm just going to go out here on the limb here. Um, Is your mom, you're you're really based, based to your why? She really is. You know, I did a lot of things. I, I made a decision that I was going to be like my mother a long time ago. And I broke through and I did a lot of things that were pretty, pretty amazing being a single mom, teenage mom. And I, you know, climbed the corporate ladder. But then I got to a point where I don't think I believed in myself enough. Mm-hmm. And I started making decisions. And if you look back at my life and you look at my mom, I started making some parallel choices. Mm-hmm. that she did too and it was kind of like self-destruction and it was and it wasn't until and and it, and that was kind of starting that drunk cycle of where I started um making bad choices creating more pain needing to drink more to numb that pain poor choices pain drink um it just I see I see her in me too and or I saw her in me too and 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 I, well I still see her in me but I see it in every woman that comes to me who's misusing alcohol because they're avoiding something. They're, they're, they're trying to distract themselves from the truth, and that truth could set them free. I, I hate using that old cliche, but it's absolutely, it's founded. Yeah. Yeah. So, because we're, we're winding down close to the hour now, <laughs> um, what would be the, the, the best advice you would have for, for somebody the best advice I would have for somebody who's looking to change is, is, is understanding what will this change provide you? I mean, really getting deep as to what would this change mean? Would it get you, is it getting you out of trouble or is it moving you towards something? Because I find that if people quit drinking just so they can get out of trouble, it's not, it's not going to sustain them. If they quit drinking because they want something more, it will it can sustain them if they breathe life into that goal dream or aspiration right yeah so it's really about getting clear so when you get to that place in your mind where you're like okay i want to change now break out a piece of paper and a pen and start writing about why you want to change what is that going to gift you mm-hmm. and you need to make that your mantra and you need to remember that it's going to take time, intention, and it's going to take practice. You got to practice thinking that way. You got to practice living that way. You got to practice being who that person's going to be to be sober. Right. Okay. That is that. That's wow. Okay. There's nothing more to be said. That's awesome. Um, how do people get a hold of you? I know you can get the get your book on Amazon. Get my book on Amazon, Holy Sober. You can also go to pinkcloudcoaching.com, and there you'll find links to my book. You'll find links to the new book that's coming out this summer, The Primed Drinker. And in that book, I really demonstrate how we are primed to misuse alcohol and how you're not, don't necessarily, don't automatically accept what society tells you. Don't fall into the trap of you are an alcoholic explore it be curious about it and i'm going to give you all kinds of information in there i'm going to give you testimonial or actual case type studies of people who have went through my program and the people who haven't went through my program who went to the doctors and the doctors told them either don't worry about your drinking or they send them off to traditional therapy which are traditional program or yeah programs which can cause more problems uh, more harm than help 
so the primed drinker should be out by the end of the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, so be looking for that. And then you can also find me on Facebook, Pink Cloud Coaching. I'm always on there. I post daily and I'm getting ready to open an office in September. And I offer workshops throughout throughout the area. So yeah, pinkcloudcoaching.com is going to give you most of the information about how to contact me. And there you can schedule a free consultation if you're curious and if we'd be a good fit. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you for your time this morning because I know Sundays are usually very special, um, especially if you have family around. Um, yeah, but so. this is amazing, Michael. Thank you for giving me an opportunity to talk about my work and to talk about the hope that I'd like to, to instill in this planet while I'm here that we yeah. always have other possibilities to explore. Thank you for this opportunity. Well, we're now Facebook friends, so let's yes. stay in touch with each other. And I'll actually connect you on to uh, the Community Living uh, Radio uh, Facebook page. Um, if I haven't done that, I might have already done that. I'll have to double check. But um, so you can join in the conversation there also. Perfect. Okay. So thank you, and you have an awesome day, and I will speak to you a little bit later on. Okay? All right. All Thanks, right. Michael. All right. Bye. Bye. So uh, that was Teresa Rodden, and she is a wonderful, wonderful person. Um, and I did I did actually meet her through another uh, another network that is out there just to help people. So with that being said, everybody have a great afternoon, and we will see you again uh, next week.